Hello, and thanks for tuning in to the Peckville Assembly of God podcast. We're so glad you're here. Now welcome Pastor Tyler Drost with today's message. Praise God. Praise God. Well, my father and the team will be back this afternoon. They had a tremendous trip in Kenya. I probably should have brought a picture. Maybe some of y'all saw it on Facebook. The medical clinic is up. Not only are they feeding 300 widows and orphans a day now, but now they're getting medical aid too. Because of you. Oh, you don't like giving yourself praise. I said, because of you. Come on. If you, let me help you understand. Some of y'all, we got to help your face some. Amen. You'll get that later. No, I say that because, truthfully, if people didn't get the vision of God and say, you know what, God, I'm willing to live beyond myself. I'm telling you right now, everybody that's a partner in this ministry, listen to me. Hear me loud and clear. You'll get to heaven someday. And I promise you, people will be in heaven because of your partnership to this ministry. People are going to come up to you and thank you for giving your tithe and your offering. They're going to say, you know what? Because you gave to the TV ministry, I received Christ watching TV. Because you gave so I, I could get medical aid, I didn't die of HIV in Kenya. See, it's so much beyond ourselves, folks. When you begin to understand, we look back at 2019, what we did as a church, is it's unbelievable. Oh, I said it's unbelievable. Somebody would say it's impossible. Thank you. Nothing's impossible. Because, after all, somebody said to me last night at a dinner I was speaking at, there wasn't even a Christian, about this Honesdale thing. They said to me, they said, well, it looks like another impossible text, but isn't that what Peckville does is the impossible? That's unsaved people talking about your church. That's unsaved people realizing we serve a God that's outside of us, that's bigger than ourselves, and he's doing exactly what he said he would do. He's bringing us into a place to take new territory. What looks like something's dead, he's just getting ready to set up for a resurrection. Come on, somebody. He's getting ready to do the impossible. Because all things, say when we say all things, are possible to them that believe. In case you're wondering who said that, that was Jesus. Come on. Jesus said that. He said all things. All things. All things. That means everything. <laughs> that means if you can dream it, you can have it. Oh, man. That means if you could just release your faith to believe for it, God's going to bring it to you. You might have the angels deliver it, but it's coming your way. See, if you're going to go forward in what God has for you in your dream, in your destiny, in your vision that God has for your life, come on. Two of us here. Come on. You got to realize where it comes from. But you got to drive out the doubt and unbelief. You know, I think that's part of the reason that I love getting around younger people so much, especially kids. You know why? Because nobody's taught them how to not believe. They haven't taught them doubt and unbelief yet. Come on. You tell them they're Santa Claus, they believe on December 25th. Some fat guy in a red suit's gonna slender down their chimney, right, and leave them gifts. And if you try telling a kid any different, good luck. 
you might get a black eye. Right? Why? Because children haven't been taught yet how not to believe. They haven't been taught yet how not to dream. Come on. You can't, you can't tell a kid what they can't be. They're going to tell you what they are going to be. Come on, at five years old, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to be a businessman. You're five years old. But you're, you're telling them they can't. Now, Jesus said, unless you have faith like a child, you'll never see the kingdom of heaven. Oh, man, I, don't shoot the messenger. Jesus said that. Unless you have faith like a child. So you know what I found out? You just get rid of doubt and unbelief and things get easy. You get rid of doubt and unbelief and God will bring it to you quickly. It'll be a quick work. Come on, it'll be a quick work. Why? Because you got rid of the doubt and unbelief. Now you've put yourself in a position, a position for God to bless you. A position for God to take you from faith to faith, glory to glory. You understand righteousness is positional, but it's also transitional. Oh, man. A little deep for you on a Sunday morning. That righteousness is a position in Christ Jesus. Come on. Because of the precious blood of Jesus, we now can stand before the throne of God faultless. When you understand the apostle Paul who used to kill Christians, burn down their churches, come on, all this stuff. And in Corinthians, he says, I'm without fault. I'm blameless. Oh, man. I thought, you know who you are, boy? You used to kill these people. Burn down their churches. No, he realized, he said, and if any man be in Christ, they're a new creation. All the old things have passed away. you got to get rid of that mindset of what you didn't have, what didn't work out, how things in the past. You cannot be a prisoner to your past. You cannot be a prisoner to your past. Eyes, eyes looking forward. Oh, man. Eyes looking forward. Move forward into what God has. Eyes looking forward, move forward into what God has. When I was a kid, my great-grandfather had horses, and we used to break those horses. Some of them were harder than others, amen? You ever tried to train a horse before? Some of them are harder than others. But what we used to do is he used to put them blinder things on their eyes so they could only see one direction. They couldn't focus on what's going on the right or the left of them. They couldn't focus on what's happening on their surroundings. All they could focus on was what was before them. The Apostle Paul said, forgetting what is behind. Some of y'all, I forget everything. That's good. Forget what's behind now. Come on. Instead of confessing everything you can't remember, say, well, I forget what's in the past. I'm moving forward in what God has for me. My future is as bright as the promises of God. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of the Most High King. I've been covered in the blood. And it ain't blood of goats or any other weird type of thing. It's the blood of Jesus, brother. Amen? The blood of Jesus. The perfect spotless lamb. Hmm. And because of that precious blood, there's protective power. Come on. There's provision. There's vision. There's blessing. There's increase. Anything you ever need, want, or desire has been purchased with the blood of Jesus. Think about that. Anything you could need, want, or desire has been purchased through the blood of Jesus. The Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Jesus said, Mark eleven twenty four, where I left off last week, whatsoever things you desire, uh-oh, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe you have received. There's a whole lot on us there. You see, the truth is, it's a whole lot easier to blame God why things didn't work out. 
It's a whole lot easier just to say, well, you know, bless God that worked for them. It's not my portion. But, and make excuses instead of going to the next level. Make excuses for why we didn't or why we can't or why it didn't work out instead of looking at the man in the mirror. Hello, Michael Jackson. Looking at the man in the mirror and saying, I'm starting with the man in the mirror. I'm taking responsibility for this thing. If it doesn't work out, it's on me, not on him. Somebody don't get healed, it's on me, not on him. I'm taking responsibility for my part of this thing. You know what I found out? If you'll be bold enough to take responsibility for your part and move in faith, God's faithful to do his part. Oh, I said God is faithful to do his part. With signs, wonders, and miracles following. Oh, man. With signs, wonders, and miracles following. I told you last week, I said, you ain't no talk, talking me off this bridge. I've laid hands on people with stage four cancer, had 24 hours to live, and they're still walking this earth today. I've laid hands on blind eyes and seen them come wide open. I put my hands in deaf ears and seen God open deaf ears. I've seen God heal people of autism and all kinds of diseases, graves, disease. You ain't telling me my God's not healer. You're not telling me it's not his will to heal every time. Every time Jesus went in the Bible, he healed somebody. You know why? Because faith would arise. There's only one place in scripture that says Jesus couldn't do miracles. You know where that was? His own hometown. And it said because of their doubt and unbelief, because of their lack of belief in who I am, they couldn't receive what I have for them. I'm telling you, you're gonna go move forward in your visions of what God has for you. You gotta get around some people and how to believe with you. You gotta know, know some people that are gonna believe with you, Marv. That are gonna say, Pastor, I know you're going to the next level and I'm going with you. I'm going with you. Come hell or high water, we're going next level. We're going to see this thing. We're going to see the goodness of God in the land of living. And I'm telling you, you got to learn how to put out doubt and unbelief. you got to learn how to put out people that are doubt and unbelief. Oh, boy. You want a scripture reference for that? Mark 5. Jairus. Jesus went to his house and tossed everybody out. And the Bible says they laughed at him. When he said to Jairus, your daughter's not dead, she's just asleep. Because he was trying to get a miracle. He was trying to get Jairus' faith up to a place where don't see her as dead, see her as a resurrection. <sighs> Why are you calling dead what I'm seeing as a resurrection? Start seeing what I saw faith. And the Bible says they laughed him to scorn. So Jesus threw them all out. He ain't just hippie, Jesus. Come on. He put them out the door. And it says he only took the three in with him. People that were men of faith. People that he knew were going to go in that room with him and believe, no, she ain't dead, she's just sleeping. No, it's just a resurrection. I know Jesus is going to work something out here. And he says, Talitha Kum, my little daughter, arise. The Bible says she gets up. She not only gets up, Jesus says, now make her a sandwich. That's my kind of guy. In other words, he don't only care about, you know, your spiritual well-being, but cares about your physical well-being too. He cares about your provision too. God cares about every area of your life. I said he cares about every area of your life. Hallelujah. So we've been talking on vision, amen? I'm going to give you some notes. I've been doing a little more teaching than preaching, but people have been telling me this has really been helping them, so that's what we're going to do, amen? And if it doesn't help you, well, just smile and nod along, and we'll let you out in a few minutes anyway. Praise God. It's okay to laugh in church, too. Let me take a step further. If you know how to laugh, you can laugh your way through anything. You can laugh your you be Tom Petty standing up at the gates of hell and I won't back down. Come on. Probably more theologically correct than half the songs on Caleb. 
No, stand me up and I ain't backing down. I'll laugh you right in the face. You know why? Because the Bible says God sits in the heavens and laughs at his enemies. Oh, it says he laughs at his enemies. Adversity comes, sure, we'll just learn how to laugh. Come on, dealing with stuff. Yeah, what's, what's the alternative? Get all worked up. I'm going to talk about it in a few minutes. When, when you're dealing with strife, you can't even hear God. Oh, man. But if you learn how to laugh, you can laugh your way into miracles. Come on. You come on the other side laughing. And you'll say, just like I said in Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I'm telling you, if you're going to accomplish your vision and your dreams for your life, you have to learn how to laugh. You have to learn how to look your enemies right in the face and laugh. You're going to have to learn to laugh at doubt and unbelief and impossible situations and say, I don't know, ha, 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 ha. But with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. How's my business going to go to the next level? I don't know, but with God, all things are possible. You just begin to look at it through eyes of faith. Vision is the act or power of seeing. An idea is momentary passing thought of a way to complete a task you guys have my notes stay with me back there put it on the screen for them to see vision is the act or power of seeing an idea is a momentary passing thought of a way to complete a task you must understand the difference between vision and an idea oh man you must understand the difference between a vision and an idea both good things but both possess two different qualities Oh, man. Come on. Understand the difference between a vision and an idea. Watch this. An idea is something you spend a day pondering. Your vision is something you'll spend a lifetime achieving. An idea is something you spend a day pondering. Your vision is something you spend your lifetime achieving. I'm trying to help you here, folks. I was dog tired. Where's Gary? Is Gary here? Probably not. He's probably still up there working. That guy's a horse, man. He is. Gary Myers, I love that guy. He worked me Friday night, Mark. I worked first, second, and third shift on Friday. I swear. Ask my wife. It's a good thing I came home covered in black soot. Otherwise, I might have had a black eye. Amen. Sneaking in wee hours in the morning. Gary was working me like a dog up on that Honesdale project. And we hit it again yesterday morning about 7.30. Hit it all day. Went and spoke at a dinner last night. And I thought I had my sermon, everything ready to go. And I got home last night, 10.30 or so. I sat down in my chair. My wife says, I'm going to bed. I said, oh, me too. Thank you, Jesus, for my bed. And the Holy Spirit says to me, turn over there to Genesis 13. I said, Lord, I just want to go to bed. I'm sure, I know Genesis 13. It's about Abram and Lot. I got this, Lord. No, turn over there. I want to show you some stuff. I said, good. Show me in the morning. Come on, any real people in the place? Come on. <laughs> Show me in the morning. But this is what God gave me. He says, an idea is something you spend a day pondering. Your vision is something you spend a lifetime achieving. Your vision should be so big, it'll take a lifetime to achieve. Come on. Your vision should be so big, it'll take you a lifetime to achieve. If you can achieve something overnight, it's not a vision, it's an idea. Can I help you? It's time to dream big. Come on, it's time to think big. You serve a big God, creator of the heavens and earth. 
He's made you in his image and likeness. So if you serve a God that's that big, you ought to be thinking big too. You got no right to think small. Oh man. I told you a couple weeks ago, I said a mind that's been stretched can never go back to original size. A mindset on lack can't produce an abundance of anything. God doesn't know lack. Oh man. God doesn't know lack. God doesn't know small. You know what God knows? Don't despise small beginnings, but he, everything Jesus touched grew. God knew multiplication. Come on, think about this. Jesus took on flesh and with 12 ragtag guys turned the world upside down. Why are you thinking small about yourself and your business and your vision and your dream? Come on. People say, oh, I want to think like God thinks. Guess what? One word, big. Come on. Think about this. Creator of heavens and earth. Put his spirit on the inside of you. <sighs> called you, the Bible says, I like this one in Colossians 1. Called you out of darkness into the kingdom of his marvelous light and has qualified you. That's what it says, Colossians 1. Think about that. He called you out of darkness into light, into his kingdom and qualified you. Next time you want to think lack, you want to think small, you want to think, well, I'm not good enough, I'm not big enough, I'm not bright enough. No, think about this. God himself called you and qualified you. God don't call losers. Come on. There's no losing in God. Think about this. God calls winners. God calls champions. He's never lost a battle. He's never lost one time. So if you're part of his kingdom, you're part of his royal family. Now, guess what? That qualifies you to be a winner. That qualifies you to be a champion. That qualifies you to go to the next level. The apostle Paul said it like this. Thanks be to my God who always causes me to triumph in everything. He says, you're more than a conqueror if you're in Christ Jesus. You understand? Called the battle, but I've been destined to win. I've been called to greatness. And you have to see yourself in that light if you're going to achieve what God has for you. Business people, listen to me clear. You've got to see your business in that light if you're going to go to the next level. Come on. Real quick, vision comes from purpose, Psalm 33:11. God has created you with a purpose. You were born at the right time. God places eternal purpose in your heart when you were born. Your purpose is already completed in God, Isaiah 46, 9, and 10. Say this with me. Say, vision comes from purpose. Now say this. God created me with a purpose. Let's say it in faith. Say, God created me with a purpose. Say, I was born at the right time. Say, God placed purpose in my heart when I was born. Watch this. Say, my purpose is already completed in God. Oh, that's a good place to give God some praise. Come on, somebody. Just for a minute. Think about that. Think about that. He put it in money on the inside of me and you. Come on. He put it in our hearts. He gave us those dreams. He's the one that gave us the vision and filled us with the power of the Holy Spirit. He's given us the word of faith. He's given us everything we could need, want, or desire in his book. What are we waiting on? Come on. Let's be honest. You're waiting on everything to get perfect. It never will be. You're waiting for you to get yourself all together and everything. You never will. Why not just move forward today in what you have? <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs>
Oh, this is going to get good. After all, we serve the God who establishes the end before the beginning. Oh, man. Watch this. God's vision for your life reveals the end result of something when it's just the beginning. Wrap your head around that. God's vision for your life reveals the end result of something when it's just the beginning. Think about that. When God drops a vision in your heart, you don't have it today. But he's trying to show you what the end game is. Come on. My brother Dylan, I'll embarrass him because he just walked out with one of the babies. Praise God. But he was sitting right over where Mackenzie was sitting last year, I think it was. During praise and worship, and God just did something in his life, and he wanted to talk to me after service. And he, he said, I had a vision during worship. I said, tell me. I get excited, amen? God says you'll dream dreams and see visions. Joel 2, 22, 28. He says, I had a vision. I said, tell me. He said, it was about you. I said, no, I definitely want you to tell me. <laughs> see, because God, and let me just help you here. If, you, if you're getting a vision or a word from somebody, it's negative and condemning, and it's turn and burn, you're going to hell to set and the other, it's not from God. Close your ears is right. I like that. That's nicer in the way I would have said it. Amen. But if it's speaking life into you and speaking purpose and destiny over your life, it's from God. John chapter 10 and verse 10, T.L. Osborne just called the gospel in one sentence. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, but I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. If it's stealing, killing, and destroying, it's from hell. But if it's breathing purpose and destiny into your life, you know it's from the creator God. So anyway, he went on to tell me, he said, uh, and he welled up with tears, so I knew it was God. Not a real emotional bunch, believe it or not. <laughs> anyway, he spoke something to me. He said, I believe the Lord showed me this is what he's going to give you. And I said, well, I know that was God because he's been speaking that to me for years. I've never told anybody. Come on. Because God's vision for your life reveals the end result of something when it's just the beginning. Amen? Write this down. The greatest enemy of today is tomorrow. Oh, man. I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. The greatest enemy of today is tomorrow. Can I get a witness? Because that spirit of laziness, that spirit of delay, that whole nonsense that tried to hold you back in your purpose and destiny, right? We'll say, oh, tomorrow. Tomorrow, tomorrow. It's only a day away. Come on. The greatest enemy of today is tomorrow. What if tomorrow never comes? Because the truth is, for most people, God's given them a dream and a vision and a destiny, and tomorrow never comes. Tomorrow never, their life is filled with tomorrows. Oh, tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. And the truth is, they never get around to doing it. Well-intentioned, it's not on God. Once again, God's given them the dream, the vision, the destiny. It's on them. Well, I wish the spirit of delay. No, no, you're, you're the spirit of delay. Oh, man, can I just call for what it is? Come on. Oh, brother, you know, more people tell me they're hold, held up by more spirits. I think they make stuff up as they go. There's one spirit. It's called the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's the only spirit I'm filled with. It's the only spirit in my atmosphere. There's not spirits of bondage, this, that, and yet. No, I kicked them right to hell where they came from. more people tell me about spirits over Honesdale. Good God. 
The spirit of, I'm not worried about it. It ought to be worried that I'm in town. Come on. I'm serious. I went to, you know, I was down in New Orleans with Brother Jesse last year. I'm going down again in March. And more, more people tell me for it, you ought to be careful. Of what? Well, New Orleans is a wicked place. Have you ever been there? Well, I saw a YouTube video once. Come on. You got to be careful. The spirit of, listen, just save it. I'm filled with the spirit of almighty God. In fact, the Bible says in Romans 8, 11, the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead will quicken my mortal body. I found out who I am in Christ. I found out I'm empowered by his spirit. So guess what? Every devil in hell ought to be worried when I come to town. Because I found out over in Joshua where he says everywhere the sole of my foot would tread would be blessed, that he would give it into my hands. Guess what? That means every spirit of whatever has to run like H-E double hockey sticks when my foot hits the ground. Because I carry the blessing of God. I carry the spirit of God. I carry the power of God. And if you're a born-again believer, you do too. You carry life-changing power on the inside of you that'll quicken your body, that'll bring your dreams to be, that'll change every circumstance in your life. Come on, somebody. You believe that. Give God some praise this place. Brother, you just, yeah, I, 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 about what you sound like to me. Speak faith. Speak life. Oh, man. I know some folks get offended when I speak. It's all right. Jesus said the gospel's an offense. I'm, look, I'm not a politician. I'm a preacher. Clearly, nowadays, we don't have politicians. I, never mind. That's its own. <laughs> we'll let that one just go. Praise God. But look, I, I can't get into this thing where I'm trying to please everybody. I could never please you anyway. But what I can tell you is Psalm 1611, which says, in the presence of the Lord. Come on. In the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Ooh, baby. That means I'm full of joy and there's pleasures coming my way. Well, that's what the word says for you too. See, the, the problem is doubt and unbelief has choked it out of you. Just like Jesus said it would in Mark 4 when he says the sower sows the word, but, but things will come and choke that thing. Doubt and unbelief will always try to choke out the Word of God, so you have to elevate your thinking, elevate your seeing, elevate your confession to what the Word of God says, not what your circumstance says. Hallelujah. So the greatest enemy of today is tomorrow. Proverbs 18, 16 says, A man's gift makes room for him. Amen? Write this down. Purpose is when you know and understand what you were born to do. Oh, man, come on. I told you vision comes from purpose. Purpose is when you know and understand what you were born to do. Let me ask you this. What were you born to do? Come on, what were you born to do? Every person, Mark, I've gotten around, has done great in business, done different things. They said, I was born for this. Not like Beto saying he was born for this. Never mind. I was born for this. Come on. Because purpose is when you know and understand what you were born to do. I talked to a friend of mine on the phone Friday. He, he lives in New York City. And he says, what's God doing in your life? I said, well, we're getting ready to start a church. And man, he's as brash as they come. He says to me, 
Well, about time. What took you so long? <laughs> I said, I love you. Come on. Because iron sharpens iron. And as we talked, he says, you know, he goes, most people make excuses. You understand why we get along. I said, you're right, they do. He goes, if anybody had excuses, it was me. He said, I was born the youngest of 14 without a father. He said, watch this. At 14 years old, I was my church treasurer. Not me. Him, he was telling me this. In Staten Island. He said, you know why? Because as a child, I realized I didn't have an earthly father, so I had to teach myself finance. And you're talking, this man's in his late 70s now. You're talking, this before YouTube and everything else. So we have no excuse today. He said, I got a vision from God that God was going to bless my life in the area of finance, so I began to learn everything I can about finance. 14 years old, church treasurer. By the time he was 17 years old, he was working on Wall Street. Now he looks back on it. He's in his 70s. Talking about the goodness of God here. We're giving God the praise. Amen. Just talking about vision. He said, I've owned this corporation on Wall Street now for 51 years. I said, how'd you do last year? Acquiring minds want to know. Watch this. He said, we did over $50 billion. He's not a preacher. He's just a born-again believer. Trust me, he's definitely not a preacher. Amen. But it, all because he got a vision as a child. Come on, somebody. And said, I'm committing to this vision. I'm putting my hand to the plow. He said, I'm going to learn. I'm not going to make excuses. I don't have a father. I'm not going to make excuses for everything that's gone wrong for me or how living in life in a rearview mirror. He says, I got a vision from God. He said, I'm going to work this thing. I'm going to work my time, my efforts, my energy into this thing. 51 years later, I own a corporation on Wall Street. So what, what excuses are you making to hold you back from God's best? Come on. This will help you here today. I know it's a little more Brussels sprouts, but they're good for you. I said they're good for you. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it's the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Proverbs 19.21. Genesis chapter 13. Genesis 13. Verse 1 says, So Abram, who we know is Abraham, amen? I said amen. amen. Went up from Egypt. He and his wife and all that he had, and Lot went with him. Somebody say, uh-oh. For those of you who aren't Bible scholars, uh, you could liken Lot to Christmas Vacation's cousin Eddie. He's the guy out there, skipper's full, right? Waving at you in the morning time? Never mind. <laughs> Parked his RV in your driveway. Come on, somebody. She's a beaut, ain't she, Clark? He should have left Lot behind. Come on, somebody. And his RV. Some of y'all get uptight. It's good to laugh. Verse 2. Now Abram was very rich. Uh-oh. Somebody say, amen. Because God made him rich. Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. For all the people. God already knew. All the people that would say, oh, you don't care about money. God made him rich in livestock, silver, and in gold. Amen. Say, Lord, I receive. Amen. <laughs> Verse 3, and he journeyed on from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning. Oh, man. Between Bethel and Ai. To the place where he made an altar at first. 
And there Abram called upon the name of the Lord. So what happens here? Abram hears God's voice. Abraham hears God's voice. And he says, it's time to get out of Egypt. Let me, help, let me help you understand this. Egypt was wealthy. Egypt had everything you could ever need, want, or desire. Egypt had the employment. Egypt had the women. Okay, man, come on. Egypt had the women. Single ladies, Egypt had the men. All the single ladies, come on. <laughs> Egypt had the gold and the silver and the work, the opportunity. Egypt had everything you could ever need, want, or desire. And he says, I feel the spirit of God saying it's time to get out of here. Because God will move you places when he's getting ready to bless you. You know, I, I don't know where you're at today in your life or your vision, but I tell you this, if you have a vision, you're in the right place. If you don't have a vision, you're in the right place. This place is a house of vision. This place is a house of faith. I'm telling you right now, you get in God's house, and when you're in a house of faith and vision and blessing and provision and increase, guess what? It gets on you in your house too. So Abram goes back to the place where it all began. Andre Crouch used to sing a song back in the 70s, Take Me Back. Oh, man. The place where he built his first altar, where he sacrificed what he had to God. Come on, somebody. Every good dream is going to take sacrifice. Every real vision takes sacrifice. You will need to constantly go back. Put, put that point up there. You'll need to constantly go back to your seed sown. Bring it to remembrance to yourself and to God while you fellowship with your vision. The worst thing in the world you could do is ever sow a seed without faith. The worst thing you could ever do is do anything without faith. The Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. For those who come to him must believe that he is. He's what? A rewarder of those that diligently seek him. You will need to constantly go back to your seed sown. Constantly. Bring it to remembrance, to yourself and to God, while you fellowship with your vision. Come on. God, I'm not only remembering what I sow, God, but I also remember that you said whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. God, remember what I sacrificed for this vision? Now, I'm bringing it to my remembrance, but I'm bringing it to your remembrance, too. Because I know, God, at the altar of sacrifice is where the altar of blessing comes. Oh, man. At the place of sacrifice, at the place of laying it down, is where the place of provision. God, you're the one who gave me this vision. Now I need the provision to make it happen. Come on. And that's where you'll fellowship with your vision. Come on, say fellowship with my vision. I told you, I spend time praying every day, spend time with the Lord, but you know what I spend time doing every day? Dreaming. My wife said to me, you know, because in Bible school we learn how to put together all these sermon outlines, do all this nice stuff, and I've never used any of it. You know what I do? I should tell you, I sit in a chair at the house, praying the Holy Spirit, and I envision myself preaching. I envision myself what I'm going to say. I envision myself what the desired end result's going to be. And as I see it through eyes of faith, that's where all these notes come from. And I stop and just type something out. And I just envision myself again. And just praying in the Holy Ghost and thanking God, believing God. And then he downloads something else. And he downloads something else. Because what you have to do is fellowship with your vision. Right. <sighs> business people, I'll tell you, every day spend time praying over your business, but fellowship with your vision for your business too. Come on. Man, so much there. 
So verse 4, to a place where he made an altar at first, and there Abram called upon the name of the Lord. Verse 5, and Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. Watch this. Who you hang around will determine where you go. Oh, man, I told somebody yesterday who was struggling with stuff. I said, look, you can't fly with eagles if you're hanging with turkeys. Isn't that true? Come on. You can't fly with eagles if you're hanging with turkeys. So true. Well, some of y'all just got offended all at once. It's the truth. You want to go to the next level, you want to get with people that are at the next level. You want to get where I'm, you know, that's why I like spending time around men of God that are way further down the road than me. Because they've already been where I want to go. Oh, man. That's why mostly I spend around time with people who are older than me because they, they, they've already walked through some stuff. They've already been through, and, and if I can learn from their mistakes, that means I don't make that mistake. I call that a learning curve. Come on. If somebody's done something in a business I want to do, and they're already down the road, I want to learn from them. I'm not too proud to say it. So Lot got rich just hanging around Abraham. Read the word for yourself. Because of God's blessing on Abraham, Lot hung with him and got blessed. Who you hang around determines where you'll go. Amen? Watch this, verse 6. This blows my mind. So that the land could not support the both of them dwelling together. Oh, man. How rich do you have to be? In silver and gold and herdsmen and cattle and everything else that a nation can no longer support the two of you. That's next level. Come on, that's next level. You know what that's called? God's blessing. You know what that's called? Everything God promised Abraham in Genesis 12, where he said, Abraham, I'm calling you, and I'll bless those who bless you, I'll curse those who curse you, but I'll make your name great in the earth. Come on. God wants to bless you so people can look at your life and say, there's something different about them. And just like David, you could say, come here. Look to the hills where my help comes from. Nobody got me here but God. Come on. So the land couldn't support them both. Both of them dwelling together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. That's pretty wild, isn't it? Watch this. But verse 7, here's where the problem comes in. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. At that time, the Canaanites and the Perizzites were dwelling in the land. And Abram said to Lot, Let there be no strife between you and me and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. Amen? In other words, folks, let me help you. You're getting married. When you marry her, you marry the family too. Can I get a witness? (laughs) Come on. Amen. You better watch. She's sitting next to you. Amen, brother. It didn't say there, there was strife between Lot and Abram. It said there was strife between the herdsmen. Watch this. Abram knew something about God. He knew where there's strife, God can't speak. I'm going to show it to you in just a few verses. Where there's strife, God can't speak. So he said, look, Lot, I love you. We're family. I don't want any strife. Wherever you want to take, it's yours. 
However, I got to bless you, just take it with you. I got to get this strife out of here because if I get this strife out, then I can hear from God again. So sometimes God's got to move some people out of your life. Oh, come on, somebody. God's got to move some people out of your life, some circumstances out of your life, some people out of your church, whatever it might be. Because where there's strife, God can't speak. Where there's strife, God can't speak. Where there's strife, God can't speak. Look, I got to be careful what I say. We've come up against some stuff with this Honesdale thing. By stuff, I mean people. It's not really stuff. It's strife. Me and Dylan, and Dylan's, you know, the, tame, the tamest of all of us. Last Saturday morning, stood there for an hour and a half and got balled out outside that place. Which isn't a big deal. We just stood there and took it. And I just said, I'm sorry you feel that way. I'm just here to bless you. I'm just here to honor you. In fact, I said, let's have a word of prayer right now. Can we take hands? Can I bless you? I said, really, I believe more in the power of spoken blessing probably than anybody. I said, I want to bless you. After they bawled us out for an hour and a half. You know why? Because I realized where there's strife, God can't speak. Because the Lord showed me this a long time ago out of Genesis 13, where there's strife, he cannot speak. You need to realize the difference between good and God when it comes to your vision. Oh man, you got to realize the difference between good and God when it comes to your vision. Why do I say that? Because Abram and Lot, God made them both rich. God gave them more than the land could handle. So it was good things, but the truth is, even in the good things, if you're not careful, strife gets in there and you have to realize the difference between good and God. You have to realize the difference between good and God. Look, I love everybody, I really do. But I realize not everybody can go where I'm going. And that's okay. I don't get upset about it. Because if you get over there in feelings, then you're not operating in faith and you have a hard time hearing God. Oh man. People tell me all the time, you know what they're saying about you? I said, no, and I don't care. Really. Because the minute I start caring, I get over there in feelings. And then feeling mode means I'm not hearing from God. Because feelings turn into strife. Oh, man. I know this is over some of y'all's head, but it'll help you tremendously. If you can put this to practice in your life, I promise you it'll change everything in your life. Strife, ain't, it ain't worth it. Because you know what strife turns into? Stress. You know what stress, stress turns into? The main component behind most sickness and disease. Oh, man. And God tried showing us this in Genesis 13, and we still haven't got it. Come on. So Abram said to Lot, Let there be no strife between you and me, and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I'll go to the right. If you take the right, then I'll go to the left. Come on. In other words, I don't care which way you want to go. I'm going the other way, baby. There's no hard feelings. I'm blessing you. I'm letting you have the first pick. Come on. Because that's what integrity does. That, that's what integrity does. You know how many people have tried to tear this ministry to the ground? Try to, try to tear my family to the ground? Try to tear this church to the ground? But here's the thing. I could never figure out why my grandfather just stood and took it and my dad just stood and took it until I got some learning behind me. We bless you when you come, bless you when you go. I'll just say it like that. Because here's what we realize. You go to the right, we're going left. 
You go left, we're going right. 104 years of doing this thing. I think we have a little handle on what we're doing. Come on. So Brahm says, you go right, I'll go left. And Lot lifted up his eyes, watch this, and saw the Jordan Valley, which was well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord. What looked good, but it wasn't God. Come on, what looked good, but it wasn't God. Like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt in the direction of Zor. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Hello? So Lot chose for himself all of the Jordan Valley, and Lot journeyed east. Thus they separated from each other. Verse 12, Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Then the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. Watch this, verse 14. Then the Lord said to Abram, Notice God was silent the whole time there was strife. Did I prove my point? God was silent the whole time there was strife. Verse 14, now Lot takes off and God speaks. Just because they walked out of your life, don't go chasing them. Oh, man. You don't go chasing them. Sometimes God's got to move some people out of your life. Now, there's anything wrong with them, anything wrong with you. You bless them when they go, but sometimes God's got to move some people out of a thing because he's trying to speak a new thing. Come on. So you'll need to constantly keep your eyes and your attention focused and open on what God's doing. Amen? You'll need to realize the difference between good and God when it comes to your vision because Lot looks for the temporal, not the eternal. Essentially, you know what Lot was trying to do? He was trying to stick it to Abraham. Come on. Like a used car salesman. He was trying to stick it. Come on. That's the Bible says. He looked up and saw a valley that was well watered like the Garden of Eden. That had all the benefits of Egypt. I had somebody call me the other day. They said to me, what the heck are you doing going to Honesdale? Mind me, this is somebody that offered me a job previously. And I said, I have peace about it. I don't know how else to tell you. And I, don't, I probably shouldn't say this publicly, but I will. Somebody will get mad. I was offered, amongst many ministry things, I don't tell my dad about half of them because I don't even give him a second thought. I don't have peace. Next, we just move on. I'm the type of guy, I go to a restaurant, I don't need the menu, I know what I want. You know what I mean? Some of y'all have been out to restaurants and be like, oh, no, he's telling the truth. She can over and take a drink order. I'm ready to order my food now, too. Amen. They offered me one time. I'll just say this. In a place I'd love to live with perfect weather, in my opinion, a beautiful beachfront condo, a massive church, 5,500 seats, nine buildings, all the stuff, big salary, all kinds of... And it sounded like gold on a platter. And I read this passage of Scripture in Genesis 13. And I thought, I ain't touching that with a 10-foot pole. Because I didn't have peace about it. In the natural, it looked phenomenal. In the natural, is everything I could need, want, or desire, if you would, in the flesh. And it was a spiritual thing. It was good, but it wasn't God. 
God called me back to a place of when I stood right here, and I have the video on my phone because I go back and watch this stuff all the time, and I write it out because I keep the vision in front of me. When Brother Jesse came down and prophesied over me standing right here, and he said, there'll be many doors and many doorknobs. Don't touch the door. Don't touch the doorknob. You'll know when yours comes, it'll be like a supermarket door. It'll open just naturally for you, and it'll close behind you protect your back. Look, I can quote this thing. Because I go back all the time to the words that were spoken over to me, and I watch them continually, and I read them continually, and I speak them out, confess them continually. I stood right there, Dion Hockey, on, on April 23rd, 2018, spoke over my life when I was behind that piano. He said, when you preach, your whole ministry is about to change. It'll be like fire coming out of your mouth. There'll be wisdom that'll come out of a young man. And people say, how can this wisdom come out of such a young man? You see, I, I go back and call to remembrance the things that God's spoken. I continue to remember that place where I sacrificed on the altar. I remember and I look at something. It might be good, but it's not God. I tell you, you need to do the same thing in your own life. You need to realize the difference between good and God when it comes to your vision. Genesis 13, 12 says, Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom. Uh-oh. One translation says he set his focus on Sodom. He set his focus on what he thought was good wasn't God. It turned out that was the burning city. Come on. Because ultimately, what you pitch your vision towards, what you set your eyes on, what you focus on is what you're going to have. And Lot, instead of staying under the blessing of God and living in the blessing of God, pitched his tent, pitched his vision towards a sinful thing he thought was good, thought he was going to, can I just say, screw his family out of? And instead, it ended up being his demise. What you set your focus on ultimately will determine where you go. Oh, man. I don't have time to get into the power of focus today, but ultimately what you set your focus on will determine where you go. The power of focus will determine where your vision will go. Come on. The power of focus will determine where your vision will go. Genesis 13, 13, God hates strife. Vision can't be spoken where there's strife. The Bible says, after Lot had separated, God spoke. When strife leaves, write this down, God approaches. Oh, man. When strife leaves, God approaches. You guys with me on the notes back there? When strife leaves, God approaches. Watch this. Behavior is very important to your vision. Oh, man. Behavior is very important to your vision. You think, truthfully, in the flesh... It didn't take a lot for Abraham to say to Lot, oh, you can have the pickle wherever you want. Is there any real people in the place? I wouldn't have gave that bugger that. Come on. I would have kicked him to the curb and that was that. Come on. Don't act superficial with me. You're in church of all places. Don't make the roof cave in on this beautiful building. Come on, somebody. You got Cousin Eddie. Now you can't hear from God. You're going to put Cousin Eddie in his RV on the curb and keep moving. Come on. Maybe I'm the only real one. But the truth is your behavior determines where your vision will go. Because when you handle things with grace and mercy, it allows God to elevate you. I told you last week that elevation requires separation. Elevation requires separation. Elevation requires separation. Behavior is very important to the vision. Genesis 13, 14 says, Then the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, Lift up your eyes. And look from the place where you are. Hello. Northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land. Somebody say all the land. land. That you see, I'll give it to you. 
and your offspring forever. Oh, Jesus. When you get over there in Galatians 3.29 and find out we've been made the seed of Abraham and heirs according to the promise, that means everything that was Abraham's belongs to you and me. Come on, somebody. When I found out Abraham was rich, I got a rich Jewish father. How about you? Come on, somebody. Come on. I used to sing that song in Sunday school. Father Abraham has many sons. I am one of them. How about you? He says, look, north, south, east, west, as far as you can see. Now, here's the thing. He wasn't talking about natural eyes. He was talking about eyes of faith. Oh, man. He says, I'll give it to you and your offspring forever because behavior will determine where your vision will go. Come on. Write this down. You have to see it with your spiritual eyes before seeing it with your natural eyes. And many times people naturalize which will then neutralize their vision for their future. You guys got that on the notes back there? You may have to see it with your spiritual eyes before seeing it with your natural eyes. And many times people neutralize or naturalize, which will then neutralize their vision for their future. I told you last week, closed eyes never sees what God sees. Closed eyes never sees what God sees. Vision makes you commit yourself to a new course of life and strength and belief. Come on. Vision will make you commit yourself to a new course of life, strength, and belief. Vision will make you commit yourself to a new course in life, strength, and belief. You don't believe it? How about you got saved? Did that bring you on a new course in life? I sure hope so, or you didn't really get saved. Amen. If all you did was say a prayer and you're living the same way you always lived, and you didn't really get saved. Oh, man. Come on. It'll make you commit yourself. Commit yourself. Vision will make you commit yourself to a new course in life. Business people, when you step out and do a new business, huh? you know you're committed to that thing. I spoke at a dinner last night at the Anthracite Center in Carbondale. Anybody ever been there? Not the hotel, the Anthracite Center across the street used to be a bank. That place is beautiful. It's gorgeous. It was all my style. They had all the gold thing going around on the, you know, and the big crown molding and that. They had a bar at the thing I was at, and the bar was in the vault. Pretty interesting. And I thought, boy, this place is beautiful. And then the guy came out from behind the back with the uh, apron thing on, whatever. You knew who it was? The guy that owns the place, the mayor of Carbondale. My wife said, what in the world is he doing? I said, he started a new thing. He's committing himself to a vision. Which will cause you to commit to a new course, a new belief, a new strength. Oh, man. People say to me, how are you going to do that in Honesdale? How are you going to? Those are old rusty buildings. Somebody told me, that's the ugliest building in all of Honesdale. I said, it is right now. When I met with him a few months ago there, he, the, the presser said to me, what do you see? I said, I only see it's rise of faith, so you better buckle your seatbelt. I don't see busted down. I don't see broken down. I don't see sick. I don't see depressed. I had somebody say to me the other day, there's more poverty up there than anywhere. What are you going to do about it? I said, break the back off of that thing. Next. Don't tell me what my God can't do. Don't tell me what my God can't do. 
You get rid of doubt and unbelief, you get rid of strife. And the truth is, when people are trying to speak strife, you just answer it with faith. Come on, you just answer strife with faith. There's more poverty. I don't care. You think I'm worried about that? Look at me. Clearly, I don't even look like I'm from here. Amen. I am not worried about poverty. I'm not worried about what you can't do or you can't have or you can't obtain with your small thinking. All things are possible with God. I'm thinking big. I'm seeing vision. I'm working this thing because here's what I know. As I work it and I work faith, faith always works. Come on. So that's how you answer strife or doubters or unbelievers or hater, whatever you want to call it. Because the truth is, every time you go to the next level, you got a whole bunch of more haters. Let them hate. They ain't criticizing the guy doing nothing, Marv. Come on. They ain't criticizing the people doing nothing. They're criticizing the people that are moving forward. Not to mention nowadays, homeless people have iPhones underneath the bridge somewhere. Anybody can criticize anybody. Most times if somebody criticizes people doing nothing. Come on. Oh, baby. I said to you before, I quoted it out of Romans 4. Abraham staggered not, wavered not. In other words, he didn't get into unbelief. Write this down. Vision depends wholly on God for life, but it needs a fresh sense of approval. Oh, man. Vision depends wholly on God for life, but it needs a fresh sense of approval. It means constantly you got to fellowship with that thing. Constantly you got to go back and say this. You know, I was so taken back years ago on an interview with Mick Jagger. I mean, they're still going, those guys, the Rolling Stones. Oh, don't get all unspiritual on me. They're still going. They're, they'll have walkers out on that stage, and they'll still be going. Mick Jagger will still be doing one of these with his foot. You know what I mean? How? You know? Right? Come on. More success than anybody in rock and roll. More success. Achieve more things, and they're still torn. For what? They got more money than they know what to do with. More gold records, more jets, more than anybody. And I watched a documentary on them, because I'm fascinated by people who have been successful in life. And he said, when are you going to quit? He says, when we get a little bit better. Come on. You've been playing the same songs for 54 years. How many more times can you do Paint It Black? Or Satisfaction, or Give Me Shelter, or whatever, you know? Oh, guys, don't get uptight on me. I'm trying to help you with your vision. Come on. He says, when we get a little bit better. The news reporter says, a little bit better. You've achieved more than anybody. Come on. You have more success than anybody in your industry. He says, yeah, but we haven't got it yet. You know what that showed me? He's hungry for more. So you can learn something from just about anybody. You guys get uptight about stuff. Just take a deep breath. (laughs) He's hungry for more. Because the truth is, if you're hungry for your vision, it'll drive you each and every day and your passion to get up and keep wanting and keep going. Come on. Vision depends wholly on God for life. He's a fresh sense of approval. Watch this. Vision always creates fellowship. Vision always creates fellowship. Vision must always be continuous and never interrupted. Oh, baby. Vision must always be continuous and never be interrupted. You see, you could lose your momentum, but don't ever lose your motivation. Oh, man. You might have a day you lose your momentum. Don't ever lose your motivation. Business people, you might feel like you want to throw in the towel and quit and everything else. Don't ever lose your motivation. For your vision, don't lose your motivation. Because vision must always be continuous and never interrupted. 
My father got up here. People thought, oh, they finally put that church out. They had that sign up forever. They finally built that place. And he's like, okay, now we're moving on to the next piece. Come on. Because I'll never forget as a kid, he said to me, this is what I saw. And this property being not a property but a campus. And he said, then I saw what start another one and start another one, start another one, start another one, start another one. Because vision is always continuous and never interrupted. When I met with Tim Cartmill and, and Gary the other night, we're tearing down the lats and plaster and doing all this stuff in Honesdale. That's just a total mess. <laughs> well, thank God he works in messy situations, amen? I said, Tim, this is going to be phase one. This will be phase two. Oh, man. This is going to be phase three. Right? Am I telling the truth? This will be phase four. I, I said, we're going to get phase one, that'll be getting the door. Then phase two, we're going to step out and do this. And then we're going to, because vision needs to always be continuous and never be interrupted, you understand. You have to see beyond, well, what, what's today, what's tomorrow? No, you got to look long term. you got to look down the road. That's why everybody asked me about the church. I said, I see it filled up. I don't only see it like that, I speak it like that. That's somebody said to me the other day, well, there's only been six people there for 30 years. I said, not no more. I'll show up with my family. You know, they're like jackrabbits. I mean, well, forget the six. Amen. Some of y'all get that later. Oh, Abraham and Sarah joke. Anyway, vision must always be continuous, never be interrupted. Watch this. When you can get anything you want, you don't get what you want in a hurry because it brings an end to your vision. Oh, man. Oh, I knew that was going to shake some folks. When you can get anything you want, you don't get what you want in a hurry because it brings an end to your vision. Hmm. It's the same thing Mick Jagger said. I made it a little more scriptural, but essentially the same thing he said. When you can get anything you want, you don't get what you want in a hurry because it brings an end to your vision. My grandfather, I'll probably embarrass him, a couple years ago, remember we did the Committed Initiative? He said to me, he said, I want to give something significant towards these cameras up front. I said, that's good, but you're making a two-year pledge too. And he said, no, no, I, I want to give it up. I said, no, because if you commit to a pledge, that means God has to extend your life at least another two years. Oh, man. In other words, you're not done with your vision. You can give whatever you want, but you're making a two-year commitment. I don't care if it's a dollar a month. You're, <laughs> I need you at least two more years. You're committing something two years. Because when you get anything you want, you don't get in a hurry because it brings an end to your vision. When your vision ends, that means your life ends. That's why preachers, I don't understand. They work for retirement. I don't ever plan on retiring, clearly. Because the day I retire, I'm saying, God, you don't need me anymore in the earth. Take me home. So you better get used to it. If Jesus should tarry, I'm going for that 120 mark, and you're going to have to listen to me for a whole long time. And at the rate we're going and the vision I have, everybody around the globe is going to be listening to me for a whole long time. Come on. I don't have a county vision. I don't have a statewide vision. I don't have a national vision. I have a global vision. I pray every day when I stand on this property. Psalms chapter 2, it says, Ask me, and I'll make the nations your inheritance and the ends of the earth your possession. I said, God, I didn't say that. You did. So I'm asking you each and every single day. Because... You said it in your word. So sorry you said it. You have to do it. Come on. 
is your vision just for Scranton or is it for Lackawanna County? Is it for beyond the county to the state? Does it go beyond state to national? Does it go to multi-state? Come on, somebody. International, how big are you dreaming? How big is your vision? Talked to a friend of mine the other day. He said, I think I'm paying my landscaper too much. I said, is it John? You're definitely paying him too much. Amen. No, I'm just teasing. He says, no. He goes, he, he, you know, he came over and started my place. He used to have to rent a truck and rent equipment. He goes, now he owns multiple trucks, owns multiple crews. He keeps expanding. I said, yeah, no kidding, because you're a man of expansion. You're a man of increase. So as he's working with you, guess what, what do you think is going to get on him? Sheep reproduce sheep. Come on, somebody. It's called the anointing of increase. Oaks of Mamre. I'll read you the end of this and we'll close. Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look to the place north, south, east, west. We talked about that. And he says, I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth so that if one cannot count the dust of the earth, your offspring can also not be counted. And I say glory to God because you and I are part of that offspring. Come on. You got to find out what, what's in your inheritance. Praise God. Now he says, arise. Because faith and vision always calls you to action. I said faith and vision always calls you to action. He says, arise. Walk through the length and the breadth of the land. For I will give it to you. So Abram moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, which are at Hebron. And there he built an altar of sacrifice to the Lord. You know what oaks of Mamre translates to? Place of vision. Place of vision. In other words, Lot set his tent towards Sodom and Gomorrah, and Abraham pitched his tent in a place of vision. Because when you set your tent in a place of vision, when you root yourself in a house of vision, if I can say it like that, then vision will always propel you all the days of your life. I said the vision will always propel you all the days of your life. Oaks of Mamre, place of vision, is the first place Abraham built an altar. Write this down. Your vision will cost you something. And are you willing to pay the price? Oh, man, this is what separates the men from the boys. We could rah, 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 siskumba all day. We could shout and carry on and praise, and I love all that. But the truth is, are you willing to pay the price? It's going to cost you. I said it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you your energy. Come on. It's going to cost you your energy. It's going to cost you your time. It's going to cost you your work. It's going to cost you your finances. It's going to cost you losing sleep, maybe breaking some relationships. Vision will cost you something. Are you willing to pay the price? Write this down. You already know your vision. It's as close as your most persistent thoughts and desires. Oh, man. You already know your vision. I have people tell me, well, I don't know my vision. I don't know you do. It's as close as your most persistent thoughts and desires. Watch this. Your desires are fathered by whatever is fertilizing your dreams. Your desires are fathered by whatever is fertilizing your dreams. And as we close, Psalm 37, 4 and 5 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Well, that's a good one you ought to read. Psalm 37, 4 and 5, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act on your behalf. 
There's not much room for margin of error there. Come on. I'll say this for free. A prophet can confirm your vision, but he can't give you one. Baby. Finally, vision is more than just an interest. One may discern if it's a vision from God by this. Do you have a real passion to do it, or is it just a passing interest? Do you have a real passion to do it, or is it just a passing interest? You have to answer that for yourself. Come on. You see, the truth, the truth is this. Most people don't have vision. They really don't. They do. It's on the inside of them. But they don't realize they have it. And the truth is that that's why these last two weeks, look, I, I can preach. I can preach with the best of them. I'm not tooting my own heart. I'm just calling it for what it is. I know I can preach. You have to. If you don't have confidence, you ain't going to be able to. Amen? But the thing is, I'm trying to teach you. I'm trying to help you. I promise you, if you put this stuff to work in your life, you'll obtain all your dreams, all your visions, and have anything more than you could even ask, imagine, or think. Ephesians 3.20. But most people have a hard time with it because it causes them to commit to something. We don't like commitment. Come on, people don't even stay married nowadays. It's just easier just to shack up. It's easier to, you know, rather than get committed, rather than, oh, commit myself to a thing, I'd rather just take a test drive. Can I say it like that? Why buy the cow when you get the milk for free? Because people have a problem with commitment. But if you'll commit to your vision, just as I said, commit your ways to the Lord. And don't doubt in unbelief. He will act on your behalf. Psalm 37, 4 and 5. So as we close the service, we're going to receive our tithes and offerings. And I happen to like these big jugs, mostly because I bought them. Amen. And they cost me, so I used them for the one sermon, but I'm going to use them more. Praise God. Some of y'all are looking at me funny. Ha! Father Abraham is Jewish. I happen to have some Jewish blood. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm entitled to a good deal. You want to bet me? Them pots were 200 bucks. You ask my wife what I paid for them. $25 a piece. The lady at the counter says, oh, they're ugly. I says, yes, they are. Let's get a discount for that. <laughs> ask my wife. You ask anybody in my family, they'll tell you. This boy knows how to work that street. She, the lady says, oh, and the paint's chipped off. That's right. Come on, keep going with me. I'm telling the gospel truth. They're like at an own stock in Home Depot. I would have dumped it that day. Amen. She'd get, bring it down, bring it down, bring it, $25 a piece. That's pretty good. Better than $200. I wouldn't pay no $200 for those pots. She rang them up. I almost went out in the spirit at the counter. Amen. <laughs> I'm just telling you the truth. So we're going to receive our morning tithes and offerings. We'll bless you, amen, and send you on your way. It's great to see you. You haven't cut my hair. I've got to trim my beard, too. He's a great barber. He's cut my hair and took care of my beard many times. Great to see you in church. The vision. You got it now? Praise God. Let me pray for you a second. Is that okay? Lift a hand towards my friend George here. Hallelujah. It's his first time ever being here. He's cut my hair many times. He didn't realize the anointing was getting on his hands. 
<laughs> I'm serious. That's the anointing you feel going in here right now. Father, in Jesus' name. Yep, the Lord just showed me that. You can feel the power of God in this place. Isn't that right? Father, in Jesus' mighty name, I pray you touch this boy, Father. Bless him, Father. Increase him, God. Father, I pray you bless him in his heritage. And just as you coach sports with younger people. Isn't that right? Hallelujah. Just as you coach sports, as you commit yourself to the Lord, you'll see how these younger people, you'll be a role model to them. Like you've never been before in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And that vision God put in your heart years and years ago as a young Greek boy. Hallelujah. Pretty good, huh? The Holy Spirit knows everything. As a young Greek boy, God will bring it to pass. He said, George, get rid of the doubt and get rid of the unbelief. He said, I'll help you. I'll strengthen you. After all, I'm the one who's given you the vision. Have I not called you, said the Lord? I brought you to this place. After all, this is my house of vision, says the Lord. And I'll use you for my glory. Commit yourself to me, George. And you'll obtain more than you ever thought you could. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Jesus. Hallelujah. Just give me one second. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Uh, somebody said, how do you do that? You step over into the prophet's anointing. That's how. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Father, we praise you. Magnify you, Lord. Hey, guys, we hope you enjoyed that message. And if you did, take a photo of you listening and tag us on your social. Thanks again for joining us. We love you. God loves you, and may God's richest blessing be yours.